Hello, how are things down under today? Great, nothing went wrong at all. Especially not with computers. No, especially not. Things never go wrong with computers. Absolutely never. Not even once in the whole history of computering. <laughs> but yeah, really. Uh, are you recording this with your computer? No, with my laptop. Yeah, that's what I thought. So how's your PC these days? I've, um, I've had some contact with you indicating there have been some problems. It's running. Good, good, wonderful. It, ap it appears to be stable. Excellent. Um, so tell us the whole story. When did things go wrong? So things went wrong when it just started, like, blue screening for no reason, okay. seemingly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and then I would, like, hmm, that's weird, restart, and it'd be fine for a little bit. This went for about a day, right? Like, it happened, like, twice. And then it just started doing it every five minutes. Um, was there a particular error code on the blue screen? There was, but the blue screen would flash so fast you couldn't read it, right? Oh, that defeats the whole purpose of the blue screen. Yes. Okay. All right. Bad. Excellent. Bad. It's not. It's not great. But occasionally, every now and then, um, there would be an error that would pop up. That was basically like, "Hey, insert a boot drive, All right? So we can load up Windows or something." <laughs> yes. Please give us something we can boot. Appreciate it. And I'm like, ah, okay. I think I know where the issue is on the boot yeah. drive. That that would definitely make sense. <laughs> so I am holding in my hands my former. Uh, M.2 NVMe. Mm, uh, delicious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, as far as we can tell visually, is fine. Uh, so we have no idea if it was this or the port. Got it. Because my motherboard has room for two, so I bought a new one and plugged it into the second slot. After I did that, Windows refused to install on it, right? It was just like, no, nah, can't do it here. Because you had two drives plugged in. No, no, I took out the old one. You did? Okay, because I've seen that problem where there's two drives and a, one of them has Windows and Windows is like, no, it already exists on this PC. Go away. No, no, no. Okay, so this it, is it, the only drive, the only boot drive, and it was like, no. There was nothing on it. It was fresh out of the box. And Windows was like, nah, can't do it. Won't do it. It's not going to happen. Get over Again, yourself, any buddy. Per, per, particular error messages there? Or? Th there was, but... The messages that, like, when we went to look up in the forums and see what to do, they yeah. weren't particularly helpful. They were always, like, listing other problems, like, oh, maybe you've got X, Y, and Z problems instead. Hmm. Okay. There was one there that turned out to be very helpful, but we initially dismissed. And we shouldn't have. It would have saved us a lot of time. Uh, because eventually what happened to us, we just unplugged all the other drives. So I've got three, SS three other SSDs in RAID, and just a regular old spinny hard drive, right? Yep. We, we just unplugged them temporarily, and it was like, yep, we can install here now. Okay, <laughs> cool. Magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was annoying. Uh, so this, uh, the f old one, still has all the data that was on it, on it, right? Because if we load it up, like, when it would load, uh, you know, all my files and stuff were still there. So I've been spending like the last day and a half, uh, like signing into stuff and re-downloading Audacity and my Steam games and Chrome very lovely lets me just sign back in as a YouTube user and all my bookmarks are there, which is nice. Not yeah. signed into any of them though, and they all have like two-factor codes and stuff, which is just when you got to do it like twelve times in a row for everything, it's kind of annoying. It's true, but maybe it's better than like having your account stolen i don't know yeah, yes yes it's definitely better <laughs> okay <laughs> the second thing that was annoying is the second m.2 slot on my motherboard takes up a different um different sata slot like configuration on the board which meant i had to rearrange some of that stuff because it disables one mm. and because i had to rearrange them somewhat my three hard drive, my three SSD RAID no longer had the right configuration, like because they had they had to move, so I had to format the RAID, and I lost everything on those as well. Wow. Yeah. Fortunately, there was nothing really on there that was just like most of my games, uh, which is why I had to re-download games. The only game I actually had on the M.2 was Starcraft. So okay. you know, I've spent a couple days 
Call of Duty, the new one, like the Modern Warfare remake or whatever, uh-huh. 160 gigs to redownload. Holy smokes. Yes. How big StarCraft these days? Uh, it's uh, it's about 30, I think, but yeah. I didn't. Uh, I had my housemate move that over from his PC, so that didn't take so long. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what I remember being, about 30. Although I would say Battle.net is so dumb. Okay. So, so dumb. I went and I put StarCraft on my computer. I was like, look, locate the files. It's like, yep, here's StarCraft. Great. And then it was just like, no, 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 but it needs an update. Okay, how big's the update? About 30 gigs. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not an update. No. That's them saying like... Redownload uh, it. You did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I, I can't work it out. I've tried like just redoing it. I don't know what to do. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just let it do the 30 gigs. Who cares? It gets... Yeah two seconds into like the 30 gig update and it's like oh nope it's done you good <laughs> like it can't verify things are cool unless it tells you it's wrong first that's yes. weird that is messed up way to go way to go Battle.net installer 10 points to Gryffindor on that one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. yeah alright second level of annoying is I lost all my replays from Starcraft and I had some I wanted to submit to various Aww. places yeah that's a problem so that sucks. Yeah, because those are not put in the cloud at all. No. Not automatically, anyway. So let this be a lesson to everyone. Back up your stuff. Let Somicron's yeah. story encourage you <laughs> to get a stupid backup. It's easy. It's not super easy. But, like, seriously, you buy an external hard drive. You buy some backup software. Done. Mm-hmm. Back up here, please. And it does. Yep. 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 Anyway. So... Possibly the only, uh, some of the only unique data that I cannot re- like get back is all the original recordings of the podcast. So I was going to say, there are uh, data retrieval programs and companies out there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that will do their best at grabbing data off of a drive, especially if it's just like the part of the drive that's the boot record got corrupted, but everything else is cool. Well, the problem is they weren't on the boot drive. They were on the RAID I had to format. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes. Okay. They're, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I don't know, man. What kind of format was it? Uh, it was like a quick format. And yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, they could still be there. But uh, the other part of that is probably also never going to need that data again. Like, okay. I was just hanging on to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. For tradition. Well, just, just because I... I don't know. It was mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So all the like, I I suppose right now, if the website failed and all of the episodes got deleted, there would be no backups at the moment. That uh, would be super bad. Let's that hope that doesn't bad. happen somehow. Yes, I'm gonna maybe after this episode, quickly go re and download a hundred and twenty eight episodes of the podcast. Right. You have fast yeah. internet. That won't take too long. No, yeah, it shouldn't take too long. They're pretty small. Excellent. Well, good. That's the thing. Like, if this happens 15 years ago, you're like, ah, but so much stuff is on the internet in some way or some form these days that it's Mm -hmm. much less painful. Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't know, silver lining. It gave me a chance to properly organize some of my files. Mm, Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that was like just kind of hanging out in my downloads folder, uh, like... D&D character art that I had made for Spires of Northgard is now like got its own folder in the pictures folder which is now next to the podcast art that I've had done and it's all neatly organized excellent organization is beautiful there are worse things that can happen like your motherboard could have died that would have been super annoying sure that would have been pretty annoying (laughs) don't jinx it I certainly won't I will knock on this probably wooden desk that I am sitting at right now you heard it (laughs) It was yes, loud. I heard it. Yes. Although I, I would say this is now the like because I've been busy dealing with this and like trying to reconfigure everything. This is the only time where I'm now not one, not two, but three episodes of editing, including this episode of the podcast behind release. Oh, that's not great. <laughs> yeah, there hasn't been an episode out in like two weeks. So true, true. I guess I didn't realize this would be the third one. This is the third one. Yeah. Rikey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how can we make this one easier for you? <laughs> well, I don't know. Cut it short a little, maybe. 
but I don't know, maybe expect one every two days. If uh, you're listening to this now and there were two that came out very recently, it worked. <laughs> Congratulations, future person. <laughs> the funny thing is, when I was like, um, I had some spare time at work, the, like, the day of the crash, I was like, oh crap, I'm two episodes behind just because of laziness at that point. Yes. Um, I was looking for a GIF from Pacific Rim where one of the scientists is like, I expect a double event within hours. And I was going to put out two episodes Ugh. that day. I got yeah. home, was like, let's get to work. It's going to be great. Computer's dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're all motivated. There was anticipation. And then... <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then throughout the last couple of days, I've been using my phone's heartbeat tracker and stuff to measure uh, my heartbeat. And it also does like blood... Uh, not not blood uh, oxygen saturation somehow and like can determine your stress I at rest my heart was 96 beats per minute Woo, zippy. Which, is, which is pretty quick apparently yeah it is yeah stress stress also your boss is dumb so that's not good it's true and I also had a family dinner which meant I was dealing with kids oh you hate dealing with kids it's true I mean <laughs> I actually got there, and because it was both my sister and my dad's birthday. Happy birthday to them, by the way. Um, They listen. They gave my dad, like, a painting, and it was, like, all the handprints of um, my sister's kids. And and they're like, and that one's Emily's. And I literally, for a moment, went, who's Emily? (laughs) And I was like, oh, right, my sister had a kid in January. (laughs) (laughs) That's reason. (laughs) (laughs) That's recent enough. You're not supposed to keep that up to date on everything that's happening with your sister and her kids, honestly. 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 That's fantastic. Hmm. Well, anyway, glad that's uh, pretty much back up and running, all things considered. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in StarCraft news, Mm -hmm. trying to get to that earlier in the podcast or at all recently. (laughs) Okay. Just because I feel like that's the one thing that people listen to this kind of have in common. Most people. Like, we talk about different TV shows and whatever, but this is the one thing that I think everyone who listens has a general care for. Maybe not everyone, but most people. Are we a StarCraft podcast? I mean, people are here because I have a StarCraft YouTube channel, so... Wait, it's not me. They're not here for me. I get it. Kind kind (laughs) of? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's cool. I would like to talk about StarCraft. Excellent. So I sent you a link to someone who posted this on the StarCraft subreddit a few days ago. Called I, I Am Katowice 2020 in Numbers. It's pretty good. It's really good. I hope this person does it for every premiere event for the 2020. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, I was, one of the things I was more shocked about was that Zen was played 18 times. <laughs> 18. Triton, by comparison, was played 94 times. Zen yeah. is getting vetoed hard in these tournaments. Uh-huh, yep. And I really think it's just got to be because it's weird, right? There's just weird aspects of it. Your third base is kind of super wide open. You have to worry about this little area outside of your main base that isn't your natural. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good for cheesing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep. annoying yeah. stuff. It's I assume it's just a weird, annoying map. Yeah, and yeah. pro players are just like, I, I have more to worry about than weirdness on a map. Let's just veto that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then on the other side, the matchup win percentages were kind of interesting. Mm. Uh, just looking at TVZ for the entire Katowice was a 56 win percentage for Terran and 44% win percentage for Zerg. Hmm. Yeah, so I was reading the thread, and it's like, well, then how come we didn't, I mean, why didn't Terrans do as well as they moved further along in the tournament? And apparently, if you look at it, Protoss are taking them out. Yeah, yeah. Like Terran overall is performing pretty well versus Zerg, but they're running up against Protoss and just getting crushed. Yeah, Protoss OP. That's what I've been saying for years. Protoss need nerfs, Zerg need buffs. Yeah, exactly. That's Mm -hmm. what that, I mean, everyone agrees with that. I don't think anyone would disagree. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, Protoss versus Terran is a 53% win to a 47% win rate. Mm -hmm. And then Zerg is better than Protoss by 53 to 47. So. I mean, yes, I understand that Zergs have been featured in the finals of every Premier Tournament since forever. I understand that. I understand Mm -hmm. they've won far more than their fair share. 
But if you look at these numbers, and I'm the StarCraft II balance team, I'm kind of okay with it. Like, this is probably as close as you can get to balance as far as overall win-loss in a premier tournament goes. There's a little bit of, like, confirmation bias. You've found statistics that agree with what you want, and therefore, <laughs> like, I kind of feel like that's going on, but I don't strongly disagree. Just a little bit. I think uh, if... Yeah, that's 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 looking at hard statistics on the matchup results rather than what happens in the game because f- like if Zerg's like if there's just a Serral who's better than everyone else and that's why Zerg is in every finals mm-hmm. that's one thing uh, but, but when it's dark and it's rogue and it's Serral and it's Rainer yes right yeah uh, so you need to be looking at what's going on in the games as well for sure yeah for balance it, like if you're asking are the like matchup win-loss ratios balanced yeah it's pretty close yeah yeah but well, and, i mean part of the problem for my argument too is that this is the whole thing this is like all 78 people that were in that were part of the katowice tournament mm-hmm. and so sure overall terran versus zerg 56 percent win rate fantastic but maybe a lot of that is at the lower levels and these are zergs who maybe aren't quite as good as you get further on, you're looking at elite Zergs versus elite Terrans, and then the elite Zergs are doing much better. Mm-hmm. I just noticed there was exactly twice as many PVZs as there were TVZs. Oh, that is interesting. 109, uh, 118 to 59. Yeah. That's just interesting. It's not relevant in any way, but it's interesting. I mean, it's a lot of Protoss, right? The two most common matchups were PVZ and PVP, and the third yeah. one was PVT. So, a lot of Protoss at Katowice this year. <laughs> there were 19 <laughs> TVTs. I wonder how many of those were on Zen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were only 18 games played on Zen, so not all of them, that's for sure. Uh, I liked the next little section here where there were 37,000 Zerglings produced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a... I mean, was that individual Lings or how many like times of Cocoon, like a lava morphed into well, a Cocoon and made them? Yeah, it's got the minerals, so it's just that's individual Zerglings. But minerals was 900,000 minerals mm. compared to 600,000 minerals worth of marines were produced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, but then actually more zealots, 1 million minerals worth of zealots produced. Yeah. For only 10,000 zealots because, you know, they're expensive, but they're great. Yeah, it's true. And I just, I feel like, I don't know, Zealots have, Zealots and Marines both have pretty good late game viability. Mm-hmm. Zealots in every matchup, I would say Zealots are going to be good. I can't think of a single matchup in StarCraft 2 where Zealots are just not worth making in the late game. But it's just, if you send 12 charge lots across the map at someone's base, they're going to have a hard time with it pretty much. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not something they can just be like, eh, whatever. Right. Right. Anyway, very good. Uh, the next section, I think, was... Which is the last section, just fun facts. One of the couple of them that really surprised me, 435 disruptors shot 830 novas. That's mm-hmm. 1.9 novas per disruptor. So for every disruptor that was produced, on average, you never shot twice. You got one, but you never got that second one, on average. On average, but I would yeah. like it to say what was the what's the outliers there. I'd like to see the bell graph, right? Yeah. The bell curve, where this disruptor fired twelve times and maybe it killed lots of stuff. Maybe it killed nothing. I was like, but for that one, there are like ten that got nothing done for the average <laughs> to make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Whew, that's crazy. I just I I don't know. Are I've. I feel like in every game that I've watched where there's disruptors, they get at least a couple shots off, but maybe that's not the case. They get the one, and then the Terran army stims forward and picks them off. Poor disruptors. Poor, poor disruptors. <laughs> Additionally, the queen information was interesting. Uh, only 1.5 tumors placed per queen. Hmm. I figured they'd be throwing down more tumors, but I guess maybe these days more of them are for base defense. You don't really have all of your well, five queens that you produced in the first few minutes out there throwing down tumors, right? You're saving up energy for transfuses. Right. You really only need that one queen at the natural to put it down a tumor, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then start it. And then that 0.25 is probably just, oh, Terran cleared some creep. Let me go put down a tumor before it all recedes. 
Right. But then we have the players that are the outliers that love their creep spread, and they're rolling with, like, eight creep tumors on each attack path on the map. Right, right. But Scarlet wasn't there. So True fact. Was not. And then 4,000 creep tumors spread by other tumors. That's 2.14 tumors per tumor, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of yo dog. We heard you like tumors. We put tumors in your tumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> man, that's a depressing episode. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that was interesting as well, which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Each tumor can only replicate once. It's true. <laughs> what is happening here? Uh, that's 2.2 tumors were spread from the original one the queen put down. Each, okay. each tumor so chain was 2.14. Yeah. So we're following the family tree. Yes. They all come from the one the one tumor, the one true tumor. Yeah. And then it tumors, and then it tumors, and then it tumors, and we're just counting. Okay. That makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Yeah, twice seems low. Doesn't mm-hmm. it seem low? I just feel like creep spread is, on average, bigger than two tumors after that first one. Uh, hit, uh we can talk about on average yeah. from what we remember all the live long day, but without yeah. looking at any of the replays, maybe True. they were only that long. Yeah. I mean, maybe a lot of these games were a big attack came and then the Zerg either defended it or didn't defend it. The game was over, right? Right, right. In which case, not a lot of time for creep spread. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess looking looking at the replays and trying to find ones to cast that are longer and more macro style, there don't seem to be a whole lot of those lately, so... I mean, longer... Longer than, like, seven or eight minutes. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, like... Yeah. Cause it's just, like... It's constantly changing where longer meant, like, yes, the two-hour games. And now it's, like, oh, a longer <laughs> game is a 25-minute game. 25 minutes is really long. And especially considering, you know, a lot of people think getting getting to late game against Zerg is just suicide. Hmm. <laughs> So yeah. let's try to kill them before they can get to Broodlords and Vipers and Infestors and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a lot of people are doing that, and that's a short game. Because either you succeed and the game's over, or you fail and pretty much the game's over. Because it is, it is hard to put that much pressure on a Zerg player, fail with it, and then survive the next five minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So anyway, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. You can check it out yourself. I thought it was pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, like it. I hope we get more mm, yeah. from, e- from ESL. So when you were talking about your computer problems and mm-hmm. uh, you were all amped up and ready to work on the podcast and then blurp. It reminded me, I've been watching Narcos, Narcos Colombia over the last couple of weeks, which is, by golly, three seasons of 12 episode seasons and they're an hour long each. It's a lot more than I thought when I was getting into it. Okay. But basically, seasons one and season two are uh, Pablo Escobar, his rise to power, and then his fall from power. Right. So it's incredible the number of times that the military or the cops or the DEA, like America has DEA agents down there to help combat the drug stuff, are mm-hmm. they know Pablo's in this house, and then they go to get him and he escapes. It's mm-hmm. insane. They show up with like 3,000 people with assault rifles and tanks and stuff. Okay, not tanks. That's a little bit overkill. But it's a giant army. And then he's like, ah, secret tunnels. Dug, I dug these months ago. Escape out of them. Drive away. It. I cannot tell you how many times it happened. It is the most frustrating thing of all time. Uh, not of all time, but it's really frustrating. And towards the end of season two... They discover he's been using this radio communication that he's encrypted, but we figured out how to break it. And so we find out where he is, and we get all amped up. We've got his voice. We know it's him. He's been hiding for years and years at this point, just on the run. No one's been able to find him. And they bust into this house, and he's not there. And it's just this giant, you're super amped up. You're ready to go. It's been such a long time. We finally got him. Let's nail this bastard. And then, blah. (laughs) It's amazing. <laughs> so if you're interested in consistently being let down by the results of your favorite TV show, uh, Narcos <laughs> Columbia, check it out. It's on Netflix. <laughs> All right. Well, it's really good TV. <laughs> but man. And then, I don't know. I mean, it is based on true events because obviously Pablo Escobar is a real person. 
But you do have to wonder how much of it they sensationalized to create additional drama and tension for TV, right? Right, of course. Uh, I actually went through and did some Wikipedia searching on some stuff after I finished season two. And there's this one character. She is a news broadcaster, like a, you know, sitting at the desk, face on TV style person. And she kind of falls in love with Pablo and has an affair with him for years and years. And it's kind of his voice for the Colombian national media. Mm. And in the show, she actually gets murdered by this terrorist group that is hunting for Escobar to kill him and just killing anybody, even tangentially related to him, to try to break up his empire. Right. And they kill her. And it's a big shocking moment. And I was like, dang. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, no, she's still alive. And I was like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's fine. She did an interview in 2006. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, it's great. So that whole thing brings up something I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of days. And I want to get your opinion on this, too. So the story of Pablo Escobar is he is a hugely wealthy, what they call narco-terrorist, where he's dealing drugs. He's worth billions of dollars. He's incredibly powerful. He's additionally running around blowing up airplanes and planting bombs on street corners in cities across your country and just murdering people indiscriminately. Okay. So you, as the government, are entirely incapable of capturing this guy or slowing him down at all. Your military can't do it. Your local police can't do it. Your special forces can't do it. So after a while of this happening, this terrorist organization, who's been kind of running around in your country and neighboring countries, ostensibly, in this case, hunting communists and murdering them, uh, Mm -hmm. they decide that it's in their best interest to take down Pablo Escobar. So they start doing it in a way that your government kind of legitimately can't do, right? Like, they're running around murdering, straight up murdering associates of Escobar. They're burning down laboratories, murdering the people within. They're not taking anyone to the police station. They're not giving anyone their rights. They're just straight up destroying Escobar's uh, entire empire from the outside heading in. And innocent people are dying. The innocent son of his attorney gets brutally murdered just because he happens to be around when they go after the attorney. So Mm -hmm. as a government, are you, like, either A kind of happy this is happening because it's actually getting closer to taking down Escobar or two can you not accept the informal help of a terrorist organization especially because innocents are dying uh yeah yeah that one that one so (laughs) you would publicly decry them yeah you have to right because if you don't you're basically saying vigilantism is okay yes and if you have just everyone be like well this is okay that guy cut me off in traffic i'm just gonna shoot him <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right i mean that's very quickly opening the doors to anarchy right especially yeah. if you then decide to enforce it later on something that isn't uh that is maybe like more uh publicly uh what's the word like misrepresented like if you do something that the people really care about more and then you decide to enforce on that you can get turn people against you very easily because it's them that's getting killed and now being arrested for fighting back when before it was just like the government wants to stop this thing you know it turns into a whole thing very quickly gotcha so you're worried about the future consequences of even informally accepting terrorist activities just through your silence. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I totally blanked for a second. Yeah, no, you're fine. That makes sense. I just, I feel like if this was happening in my country and had been happening for a long time, like years and years, Mm -hmm. and you are incapable of even slowing this guy down, I don't know. I feel like you'd be pretty desperate at that point. It's hard to put yourself in those shoes because neither of us have ever lived through that, obviously, right? Yes. I mean, proxy wars are a thing, right? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like who's at the Gaza Strip because there are civilians there getting bombed and one side's basically proxy warring. Each side is basically proxy warring for like US and Russia is essentially how I've heard it like simplified. Which is why when the U.S. pulls out, it's such a big deal that people lose their shits because it's like, well, we would like dependent on your protection, and now we're all dying. Yes. Um. And so, uh, the like 
the quote-unquote good guys, as someone would try to spin it, um, you know, if America is deploying troops to fight those, uh, or to support the good guys, then they need a reason for the bad guys to be bad. And the word terrorist gets used a lot, right? Like, mm-hmm. they commit acts of terror, they bomb, they, like, dropping sarin gas, whatever. This, that, and the other thing. But if they're also being backed by Russia, and are the Russians then, uh, you know, accepting the support of terrorists, in your opinion, to deal with their problem in a roundabout way? Right. Right, if the, if the analogy there makes sense, because it's not mm-hmm. something that I'm specifically, like fluently educated on yeah no it does i mean the concept of terrorist is incredibly emotionally charged yes the same group can be definitely considered terrorists by one people and not considered terrorists by another people they're freedom fighters right right yeah so it gets really sticky Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i'm just saying from the sense that you have this guy running around your country blowing stuff up Mm -hmm. you can't touch him Mm -hmm. he's got a huge organization and then someone takes it into their own hands to take him down in ways that you can't because you're a legitimate government. Mm-hmm. I just saying that's a rough thing. That's a rough place to be. And for the record, the Colombian government was just like tactically approving of it by oh. just never denouncing it, you know? Yeah, 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 I'm not saying that if that were going on, the government couldn't be tactical about it, right? Being like, okay, well, let's wait until we'll see if they actually get this guy and then try and move in on them. Because if... Pablo Escobar's like in hiding, not really doing much. Mm-hmm. They can't get to him because he's digging tunnels throughout the country, like just escaping every time. And this loud, noisy, messy group comes running through and they find him. You could probably find them a lot easier and then just clean up them. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying they can't be tactical about it, but I'm saying publicly they can't, they can't be quiet on it. I feel like you should in that, like you should denounce their actions. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, part of the problem here is that, at least in the show, I haven't checked this one, but basically these dudes who their sole purpose was to kill communists, Mm -hmm. they wipe out Escobar and they kind of find themselves in possession of these like drug labs. And they Mm -hmm. decide, this can't be too hard. (laughs) (laughs) So they basically start selling cocaine. Ah, what a mess. Money is a powerful thing. Yeah. Certainly, certainly is. It's. I mean, the story of cocaine is a really incredible one. It starts in Chile, actually. Okay. And then the government is like, no, and just murders everyone who's involved in it. Like they shut it down hard. They have no concerns about human rights or anything. Mm-hmm. So one of the dudes involved in it escapes to Colombia, and he finds these drug traffickers who are doing marijuana. Mm-hmm. And he's like, check this stuff out. This is way better than marijuana. Was this covered in, like, the first episode of Narcos? Because I feel like I remember this from the show. Yeah, it's really early. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember some of this. Yeah. They're like, check this stuff out. This will sell for, like, twice, four times as much as cocaine. It's got a better high, it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, more compact, so you don't have to... You can ship more of it for less. Mm-hmm. It'll sell for this much in Colombia. And the guys are like, you know what... If it sells for this much in Colombia, the U.S. will pay way more for it. There's way more money in that country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like right off the bat, the idea was we're going to send this to Miami and become stupid, filthy rich. And it totally works because mm-hmm. America loves cocaine. Yeah, uh, my, like Miami especially. Like I remember secondhand hearing from like on another podcast, they'd watched like a documentary about it. Yeah. Um, where like lots and lots of like the city infrastructure was built because there was the only people who were spending money there were drug lords yeah and so the city kind of grew around the drug trade amazing like it was a thing before but then it like turned into miami yes turned into what it is today yeah 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 and i mean the tv show makes a really big point of being like uh, there were banks that were owned by the cartel (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm There are real estate businesses owned by the cartel, construction companies owned by the cartel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What a mess. And it does, I mean, there's a good job, too, showing just different presidents throughout all this time. It starts with Nixon. I mean, it goes into Reagan. It goes into Bush. It goes into Clinton. It's just mm-hmm. this ongoing, decades-long, you know, Colombia is supplying Americans with this thing that they want and are willing to pay out the nose for. Mm-hmm. Dad jokes. 
Uh... <laughs> <laughs> didn't get it until you said that. Yes, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, stupid brain. Accidental jab jokes are the best. Uh, to pay out the nose for, and the American government's attempts to stop it have just been utter failures consistently mm-hmm. throughout all time. Right, right. And that's because... how season two ends is the U.S. government takes one of these DEA guys who've been down in Colombia for decades, brings him home, and it's like, look, when Pablo Escobar was at the height of his powers, 311 tons of cocaine were coming into the U.S. every year, mm-hmm. as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm. Last year, when Escobar, his empire had collapsed, 345 came into <laughs> our country that year. How? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, well, here's the problem. Escobar is not the only game in town. There are other cartels in that country who are very capable of making up for whatever Pablo's not doing, and mm-hmm. then some. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a giant mess. I, don't, I mean, there is not an answer to this, is basically the story of the show. Well, I feel like there is an answer to it. It's just not one, like, especially, like, the president would be happy to hear, especially, like, uh, who was it that, like, announced the war on drugs? Nixon? Um, uh, was that Reagan? Officially, it was Reagan, but Nixon Reagan. had some pretty anti-drug stances, too. Right, right. I'm not saying they shouldn't have anti-drug stances. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that the war on drugs of what it did was it targeted supply uh, and not demand, right? And so, basically, if you try and root out the demand for drugs the supply will go away naturally because you can't sell it if people aren't buying. And right. people generally don't like that line of thinking because it sounds very socialist. <laughs> it's like, well, if we just make everyone's lives better, you know, maybe provide free health care and, uh, you know, all this other stuff to make, like, get them, you know, off the streets working again because they're not dealing with chronic issues that are forcing, like, turning their lives terrible because they're paying out the nose for all the other shit and turning to drugs. Hmm. you know or other cheap ways to get pain relief maybe uh it's just one of the ways you can kind of go about that thinking of removing the demand and uh, you know people don't like that sometimes there's a lot of pushback in america against socializing healthcare. well sure but you can't just say if we socialize healthcare, no, no, the no, demand no. for it, cocaine is going to drop to 90 <laughs> percent you know drop 90 percent no no no, 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 no. <laughs> like I, i'm oversimplifying it right there are other things that they want to do to like improve people's well-being and healthcare is just like the the example i'm giving it's like that kind of reasoning that some people don't like that's fair yeah although i've always understood cocaine to be more of a designer drug in that it's people who have a ton of money that are using it i've never thought of cocaine as being like the poor communities are being (laughs) racked by cocaine usage you know Uh, true uh i yes but i'm like i know poor people who you know they usually like they aren't the cocaine type but you know every now and then it works their way into their circles right so yeah. it like it's still it's like a trickle down flow <laughs> the rich <laughs> people get it and then this, it trickles down there can't only be uh incentives on trying to stop demand uh not demand a supply because if there is demand the supply will find a way yeah and that's what the war on drugs was. It was just almost entirely attacking supply. Absolutely. And failing miserably because Colombia is a massive country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even just like, okay, what if we take control of the demand? And then you, instead of uh, just like completely outlawing it and attacking Pablo Escobar, you institutionalize it. You have cocaine clubs where people can like have their doses measured and it's all formal and instructive and then you just make it yourselves and then outside demand goes away right outside supply goes away right it's again it's a solution right one with theoretical benefits that we've seen with other drugs in other countries uh i think it's denmark or something does it with heroin or something to try and like help rehabilitate people and it's seen good results i don't know how like widespread it is or there's one who knows they really legalized heroin? That's one that I'm terrified of. <laughs> I, I I might be misremembering. Okay, right, it's been it's been a while, but there was there was definitely like uh, like uh, it wasn't marijuana, but it was definitely a like a Schedule One drug or whatever it is your country calls them. It was a hard one of the hard ones that they were like, yeah, we'll bring people in, we'll measure doses, make sure they're getting 
clean needles, the whole shebang. And then while we're there, also support programs and education facilities and job seeking and trying to help people. Yeah. All that other good stuff. Yes. It's hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, one of the, so, I don't know, again, this is show, I haven't really fact-checked this whole thing, but uh, one of the reasons Escobar kind of turned into the bombing madman that he was is he eventually wanted to be president of Colombia. Okay. Like, he manages to kind of sneak his way onto this political ticket for a congressman. Mm. The congressman wins and then abdicates and Pablo turns into a, like, state congressperson for Colombia. Mm-hmm. And the DEA is like, no, we're not okay with this. Mm-hmm. We don't like the idea of a narco being able to change the laws of the country to allow this to be legal because then who knows how bad the drug problem is going to get, right? Right, right. This is how they're seeing it. I'm not saying they're mm-hmm. accurate and they're right about it, but... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they basically uh, find this mugshot that Escobar had had taken years ago, just kind of tying him to being a criminal, right? Right, when he was smuggling TVs and stuff in the back of a truck. I remember that from the show. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. So that happens and basically the government's like we we're with you on this. We can't let a narco a, a criminal mm-hmm. become a congressperson. And so they right. basically shame him out. They kick him out of it. And that's when he's like, "Screw you guys. I'm mm-hmm. blowing all your stuff up." Mhm. Yeah. That that's a power I've seen to in the show. Mhm. Like, that's very familiar. <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar. I remember the scene where they're all in Congress and like they're all wearing these like fancy uniforms with like a sash or something, and they're all talking. And then Pablo comes in and they're all like looking at him, and then they yeah. like, I think they resign or they demand his resignation. Yeah, yeah. they demand yeah. his. Mm-hmm. Although I would like to say, uh, there's a lot going around in American politics of foreign interference, and you guys have no problems doing it to other people. True fact, we yeah. do it all the time. Yep, all the live long day. Mm? <laughs> Whether on the books or not. But, you know, it happens. It does. Mm. So back to the cocaine thing, though. I want to point out, again, at least in the show, the reason they send the cocaine to Miami is not because Americans have bad lives and they'll get hooked on it. Right. It's because Americans have a butt-ton of money. Mm-hmm. And they will pay $100 for a gram of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't say, let's send this stuff to Brazil their lives are garbage. We'll make tons of money in Brazil. No, they said Miami because they're stupid rich. Right. Stupid rich in comparison. I mean, there aren't enough, like just like you to have like it as a hobby. I, you don't need to be making $2 million a year. Right. Right. Like doctors on like an 80 K salary could probably afford it on the weekends. Right. Yeah. For- no, relatively, relatively better well off than most other countries, at least mm-hmm. in their hemisphere for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm not saying they did it with there with the intent of targeting poorer people. I'm saying it made its way into the heads of poorer people because there was demand. Yeah. Right. 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 Anyway, uh, another gaming news. I did see this earlier today. Mm-hmm. So Reggie, president, former president of Nintendo America. Sure. Like really popular guy, someone that people feel like are doing did a great job. Never heard of him. <laughs> Dang it, really? You don't know who Reggie is? I don't care about Nintendo. Oh, that's fair. Anyway, he ends up taking a job with GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, I know. He has this tweet. The gaming industry needs a healthy and vibrant GameStop. I look forward to being part of the board and helping to make this happen. Okay. Okay. All right. Two things. Isn't GameStop currently going under? Yes. Uh, And two, part of the board doesn't necessarily mean that he's stepping down from his role at Nintendo America. No, he's retired. It's official. Oh, he's retired? Okay. He did that like a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah. Look, GameStop sucks. Nobody likes GameStop. Everybody hated GameStop when they were huge and making tons of money. Mm-hmm. And now they're small and they're garbage and they will give you 10 cents for your used video game. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I just... <laughs> 
I don't know. I do not know what can... I mean, I have an idea what convinced him to join a sinking ship, and it probably involves giant barrels of money. <laughs> but Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he turns it around, good for him. All right? Like, I will be super impressed. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling... Well, not a feeling, a theory that it's, maybe it's people like him that have pushed GameStop to where they are, All right? Like companies that offer direct downloads to the consoles and stuff like Nintendo. Yes. Uh, are, are absolutely pushing brick and mortar stores out of business. Yes. And it's very interesting to see just how, like, well, not to see, but to guess at how much, like, how many tractor loads of money was that? How many barrel loads? A lot. To, I mean, again, sinking ship. Yeah. <laughs> like, for them to succeed as a company, they need a massive pivot towards something other than brick-and-mortar video game store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do. Yeah, I mean, he, like, it, it's possible for them to be saved and just be, like, a much smaller business. Oh, right? sure. Like, just hack and slash. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or even just in more, rem- like, not remote. Like, it's hard to have a brick-and-mortar store in remote locations. But something that can definitely cater to places that don't have internet connections capable of downloading 160 gigabytes for Call of Duty. Uh, th- th- there's definitely a space that they could fill. Uh, a place where it would be a lot easier to put a dude in a car with a copy of a video game in it and get it to someone much faster than they could download it it's it's possible i think it's hmm. very niche yeah it uh, is and definitely not what they were so it depends on where he goes with the company yeah if he's like look we're gonna close all of the game stops in big cities that have amazing internet access because they're gonna die anyway mm-hmm. we're gonna move them to smaller towns and more rural parts of the country mm-hmm. and the world and cater I mean- to people who still have dial-up they might still keep some stores in bigger cities, but not sell as much. They mm. might just be trading places so they can move physical media around, right? Because if there's 20 million copies of a game and you don't have any way to collect those games and you're like, well, trust us, send us, we'll mail you a check. Eh, I think people would rather go and get the cash in hand, right? So they might keep some stores open, but maybe be as a hardware retailer and a trade-ins place. And like which is essentially what they're doing now, yes. right? But just not pushing the sales as much. Like that's not their purpose. They're not there, you know, to put on giant sales and launch events. They're just distribution and receiving specifically of pre-owned games. They're just hmm. hardware and yeah. I can see yeah. it working because I want to see GameStop fail because they to me invented the uh, retailer-specific rewards for pre-orders, right? Oh, you think like, so? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was them. <laughs> because they were the biggest at the time, and they were like, oh, Steam is our biggest competitor. Well, guess what? You can get a Left 4 Dead 2 baseball bat if you pre-order here. <laughs> From GameStop, and only GameStop. And only GameStop. And then that started happening here. And Gross. Yeah, tons of stores, and it's uh, like... I don't pay enough attention, but I'm sure it's still happening. It's a whole uh, big Yeah, probably. I was trying to think of an example, but no. Yeah, I don't think I haven't seen any in a while because I haven't like I I don't shop around for physical games anymore. But right. definitely when I was like getting into games, it was like a big decision: do I go to EB Games and get you know the Death Mask for um, Dark Siders Two, or do I go to JB Hi-Fi and I get blah 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 blah. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, and that's Epic's business model, right? It's we're going to pay a bunch of video game developers to put their game on our platform exclusively for a while. Mm. So this is the only place you can get this game. Mm-hmm. And that is how we're going to grow our platform. I mean, it, it it's a similar marketing tactic. Mm. Um, but in the differences with GameStop is you could go somewhere else or to GameStop and still like, the game you would get is the same. They are squeezing out other pub, uh, other distributors by buying up the game for timed exclusives. Like, you, if you wanted a game on Epic, you literally can't go anywhere else for a year. Right. It's you can't. It's not even. It. It's not about the pre-order bonuses. If you want it on Steam, wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or pirate it, which 
I mean, there are some developers that I'm sure are very tempted to take a giant load of money because they need money, right? Mm-hmm. They can't run their studios for free. People need to eat. Um, turns out. Turns out, yeah. J- this just in, developers need food and sleep and running hot water. <laughs> so, so I can see why the deal is tempting for some people, but I think it creates a service problem where if people have their platforms and their libraries where they want their games and you take a, a deal to be exclusive to one specific one, you're incentivizing people to pirate. Yes, very true. Which, which is not something I think you should ever really do. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> Incentivizing piracy in the video game industry may be not great. Yeah, no. There, there have been weird times where piracy becomes necessary or endorsed by the developer. Um, mainly with gray market key resellers like G2A, developers have come out and said... We would rather you pirate our games than buy our keys off there because... Wow. Uh, yeah, because a lot of the keys bought there, the developers don't see any of the money of it anyway, right? Or they see less than what they should, and sometimes they get caught up in chargeback frauds. Oh, yeah, that's a huge pain. Yeah, so the developers who didn't make any money from the sale get their games like refunded or the credit card was fraudulent and have to end up paying money yeah they end up in the negative at that point yes so they come out and say look look, don't buy our games there we'd rather you pirate them (laughs) incredible yeah good to know yeah all right well good luck reggie at gamestop i'm kind of interested to see what you're gonna do (laughs) <laughs> we'll be keep, keeping a close tabs on you. Not really. We don't care. Well, I don't yeah, care. If something big happens, it'll show up on Reddit anyway. We'll find out. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. But even then, we don't need to keep close tabs. <laughs> no, we do not. No, I don't need to follow GameStop on Twitter to like keep an eye, keep an eye on this. Yeah, please don't anyone do that. <laughs> <laughs> why would you follow Game? Why, why does GameStop have 1.2 million followers? Why? Uh, Tom nope. Cruise gifts. Do they have Tom Cruise gifts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gif. Oh, it's only one gif. Never mind. If there are multiple. Uh, I'd feel better about it, but pff, one, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Unless there's anything else you wanted to cover this week. Nope. Uh, that's it. Excellent. All right, well, thanks for spending time with us this week on the Falcon Paladin Hour with Somicron and Falcon Paladin. Please consider checking out the Patreon and the merch store. And until next time, as always, thanks for listening. You take care of yourself.